It's good to see you all. It's good to be back with you all. There's so many things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them because it's time to do the sermon. Uh, I have lots of things to say, so you can talk to me afterwards. I uh, know there's many things of uh, feelings of being back and all these things, uh, still adjusting to be back, being thankful to be back, all those things. But we'll focus on the sermon for this time. We're still in the book of Matthew, and we'll be there till March, April-ish, um, around that time. Uh, and so it's been Marius, Joseph, Lee has led us to this point. I thought I was going to come in later, but they did not also, it doesn't matter. What we're here, and we're going to talk about, can this be the son of David? But let's read together. You can take your Bible. It's Matthew twelve twenty-two through 32. And just before what Lee ended with was like this beautiful passage about who Jesus is and talked about how how Isaiah had prophesied who Jesus was going to be. And this is, this is the mission of, uh, of uh, Matthew and it's been from the very first verse to convince everyone who would read this that Jesus is the Christ. He is the promised one. That's what Matthew is trying to tell everyone all the time with a lot of scripture references from the Old Testament. At every turn, he'll say, this is who Jesus is. And so we will read. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But the Pharisees heard it. They said, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided, divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by who do your sons cast them out? And therefore they will be your judges. But if it's by the Spirit of God, that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Well, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then indeed plunder his house? Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I will tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Amen. And so we've come to this part, and it, it's kind of like a parallel passage. We've uh, 
or not a parallel passage, but a passage we kind of uh, talked about before. I think it comes up there. It's from nine, in Matthew 9, 33, 34. This uh, argument against Jesus has been there before, that he's casting out demons by the power of, uh, of, of the prince of demons. <laughs> I, we just talked about it a little bit. We'll talk about it a little more why this, why this particular thing causes Jesus to say something that is that has been challenging for a lot of uh, sensitive Christians throughout the many years. What is this unforgivable sin? What is it that Jesus is talking about? Why does he get so adamant? Why does he get so angry at this particular thing? But let's start with the beginning. Because like the, you remember the paralyzed man that was carried by his friends, they took him to Jesus We'll read again that the demons, demon oppressed man was brought. Oh, I can go back. So the, somebody brings this man. He is blind. He cannot speak. But some friends or some people bring this man to Jesus. It doesn't say who did it. Some, some scholars speculate it was, the, it, was the, it was the Pharisees to prove that Jesus couldn't cast it out. Or he had really good friends who brought him to Jesus. And just encouraged by your testimonies of how you're acting this out and how you're living this out, how the testimonies of you got of just being a presence. People are then in the presence of Jesus because he lives in you and you can share who he is and why you are so different. So bringing people to Jesus is why we're here. Explaining to people that there's way more hope Enjoy in the life where what Jesus was, and he's not called Jesus, he's called Lee, talked about last week. Not all these traditions and things, but a burden that's easy, a yoke that's life, abundant life in Jesus that brings those things out that people so long for and need. That's a lot to say that somebody brought this, this man to Jesus. And we're going to three, see three different responses to what Jesus is going to do. They're going to be, they're going to be a little bit, well, they're going to be different. So Jesus' first response is that with kindness and mercy, he heals the man. He, 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 he has healed him. People and he speaks again. He can see, and the pe- people's immediate response is, "Whoa!" It, it, we've seen Jesus do many things, but is he? Is this the Son of David? Is he the one that we've been looking for so long? Is it true what has been happening all the time? Now. Is this the one Isaiah is talking about? That would heal, that would set the captives free? Is he this one? Some smart people, commentaries, they said, like, this is kind of, uh, that I don't know about this, but they're downplaying this, that they really believe it is, but because the Pharisees around, they're saying maybe, that they are pretty convinced that Jesus is who he is because he can do these things.
that's not everybody that has that response. Not everybody's amazed at what Jesus does and not everybody is led to the scriptures to see is this the one that was promised all the way back in Genesis 3 and again with Moses that a prophet like Moses will come and and in the, especially in Isaiah and I'm in my Bible reading I'm, I'm reading Isaiah right now and sometimes it's like but a lot of times it's also like well he talks a lot about Jesus. Jesus quotes um, Isaiah a lot. Paul quotes Isaiah a lot. Are these people thinking, well, these are things that are being fulfilled. They're entertaining this thought. It must be him, but... But the Pharisees don't respond that way. They respond with the argument they've used before and I don't know if it's because Jesus didn't refute them back in chapter 9, but they use it again. And, but, and I don't know if it is, okay, now it worked last time, we'll say it again, we'll defer these people from believing this. But it's like, I was thinking about it, it doesn't seem like they've thought it all the way through because we're going to see Jesus is just going to dismantle the argumentation because it's illogical, makes no sense. Just before we do that, I had a conversation with somebody. Uh, we were at a family party because I, I do think it has relevance to the to Christian faith as well. Sometimes it's like what they did, the word, uh, um, what the testimony had. But sometimes it's also us gently but loving pointing out that the way people reason is wrong, or the way they see the world is inconsistent. Most people have an inconsistent way they live and how they think sometimes you might be in an argument and you might talk with people and I'm, this is not me saying you should pick a fight with people but in love you can sometimes in love and grace point out that what you just said don't make sense so I was in a conversation <laughs> and I was like oh man not again but I was like I was in a good mood I had served in the morning I was, uh, I was doing well normally it's not my favorite spot and so I get to sit by a guy and he starts out talking and he starts talking about like creativity and different things they will be able to do this and this in the future and it's like okay I was listening I was like I don't think that's totally sure but, but then he uses the same argument in the reverse and it's like yeah because I don't like this creativity and, like, and then I <laughs> I just gently stopped and says okay let me just, let me and I, I was not being mean or anything I was just I just gently ask the question but are you now saying the opposite of what you did just three minutes ago the man was also gracious so he said to me are you trying to change my mind <laughs> and I just said to him I, I'm not sure but I don't think you can use w one argument this way and then use it the opposite way That's, that seems inconsistent and illogical and and he said, yeah. Hmm. And he said, and, and he said, and thought about it for a moment. I think that's also why we're here. It, it takes wisdom, kindness, and love. And I don't think it. I don't think you should do it on the internet, 
Do it face to face so you can see people in the eye and do it because you love them. Not because you want to win an argument, but because you have something inside to share that does make sense. Okay, we go on. It's interesting to see again, and just uh, it's interesting to see when Jesus, if you look at your verse 25, it's interesting to see again, we know, like, okay, Jesus, he knows the thoughts again. Jesus knows their thoughts, he knows our thoughts, and that's good. Like we talked about, that's good. Because then there's nothing hidden. So you can, like Stephen was saying in the beginning, we can come with Jesus with all because he already knows our thoughts. So we can pray to him, we can ask him to help us, we can ask him to forgive us. If you're against Jesus, maybe it's not the smartest. You don't think that's very big of a blessing because Jesus now knows what they're thinking and he's going to start dismantling their argument. So the first part is Jesus is just going to say, okay, listen, if somebody in the same kingdom are fighting against each other in a civil war, it's not going to work. This, that kingdom will fall apart or at least split into pieces. If people in the same house start fighting against each other, that house probably also go fall into pieces. And so you're saying that Satan is now fighting against himself. How does that even make sense? Why would Satan be fighting against himself? And if he's fighting against his own kingdom, how would that kingdom be able to last? And then he brings another good point is, you do know you have exorcists yourself that take out demons. How do they do it? And he says, they will be your judges. This is going to be three, th- uh, theme, a theme that runs through Matthew. That Jesus is going to say, listen, you have people right here who has repented. Or you have people who's done the work. There's going to be people from Sodom and Gomorrah. There's going to be people from Nineveh. There's going to be people from other pe- places that rise up and judge people because they repented. But you are unrepentant these people will be your judges. So Jesus is dismantling saying like, why would Satan be fighting against himself? And you do know you have access to yourself. How did they do it? And if Satan's fighting himself, like he's got, his kingdom is falling apart. What you're saying is absurd. I'm not inspired by Satan or empowered by Beelzebul. But then Jesus responds with, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I'm doing this by God's Spirit, I am who the crowd say I am. 
and the kingdom of God is here because I'm here. And just to explain to you how powerful I am, not me, but Jesus, he comes with the analogy and saying, like, if I am going to go steal somebody in somebody's house, he says, I have to be more powerful than the person that owns the house. But since I can take demons out of people, I'm stronger than the person that governs the demons. I own everything. Everything was created for me, by me. Nothing is out of my reach. I'm way more powerful than Satan. I can take whatever I want. I can bind him. All things are mine. Then Jesus uh, turns a little bit in the argumentation <laughs> because he has been he has been slandered. He has been called all sorts of things. And now he's going to attack the argument that we talked about shortly also weeks ago. What they're really saying about Jesus is that he is empowered by a demon or a demon God. They're really saying that the spirit that is in Jesus is evil and demonic. Now Jesus is going to be very clear about this. He's also fighting back in a different way than we've ever seen before, although he does continue next week calling them names and different things. But I guess when you're Jesus, you can, because you know everything and you think it, it, it is accurate. The contrast is whose kingdom is this? Whose kingdom is Jesus working for? Is it for the kingdom of evil or the kingdom of God? What spirit has filled him? The, spirit, the people say, this is the spirit of God. This is the Messiah. Pharisees are saying, no, no. This is somebody inspired by evil. So either it's the spirit of God or it's the spirit of evil. In our postmodern scientific, whatever we live in here in the West, we kind of, we kind of uh, gone away with all sorts of spiritual things, whether it's good or bad. We believe in science or logic or something that is not spiritual. That is just not what we see in the Bible. We see, I think we see it clearly in Exodus of how, how um, what's his name, Pharaoh's magicians, they can also do, do magic. We see it in the ancient history of in Delphi and other things where they have mediums and weird things happen. You have it with witchcraft and other things today. There are two real, there's a real spiritual world and there's good and there's bad. There's praying to the Lord God of all for good or there is praying for yourself in a selfish, evil way. Satan is not 
Like, I don't want to give you stuff. I will, and I will destroy you. But I'll give you stuff. I will create evil. I will hurt people. These spiritual realities are real in our world. Most likely, we don't really talk much about it in the West, but you who travel to other places can see this is very clear. Like voodoo, other things, worship, all sorts of different things. The spiritual world is very real. So there's good and there's bad. So what are we supposed to do? This is a slight jump in application. But there are different spirits, as John says. We are to test whether they're from God. For, for many false prophets has gone out into the world. But as you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And any spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's one example. Because the devil is not going to say that Jesus is Lord, God, and risen. So we attest the spirits. And we should not be afraid because the Lord God has won. We should not attack the evil one because we have no power against him. But Jesus does. And in Jesus, we are his. So we focus on him. And for you, I don't know most of you, maybe somebody looking out there, but also the people that you talk about. If you're not a Christian, everyone lives in this world, and we decide what we, what are our, what do you call it? What is the main purpose of my life? What do I want? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to give up to give my dream? You can also go the evil way and say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I will curse. I will steal. I will destroy. I, I do not, I do not, uh, I don't think you should go that way. But it's a choice to make when we live in the world. Lies, deceit, all sorts of things. I'll do whatever it takes. I will give my life to evil. I don't think you should do that because you will be destroyed it will cost you the devil doesn't give anything for free and it will never satisfy you all the longing and satisfaction you have, what you are longing for can only be found in Christ so whatever your ambitions is those ambitions are come out of a place and it was like what was repeated in the testimony time is if people would just see what they were created for if they would just see that they were loved by God the way they were then they would repent and come to God and then those ambitions wouldn't be so important because now I'm a beloved child of the God of heaven of earth he loves me that's my identity and I live that out so that's, if you're not a Christian, that's what I think you should do. You should go for the good. Believe in the gospel. Believe that there is good news. 
believe, and also you live in a world that will constantly has to ask you to make choices, good or evil, selfish or motivated by the service of others. We all live in a spiritual reality, whether we like it or not. Then if you, we go to chapter 30. I've been trying to figure out how do I, how do I phrase it in a good way? What is it that Jesus is doing here? He's given this very, very, very strong warning. I mean, he starts with this part. It says like, you know, there was a, this is a place where they see somebody cast out demons. And the disciples are trying to stop them. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Let, let them do that. They can't cast out demons and be against us in just a short, short while. And now here Jesus says, like, if you're not with me, you're against me. Jesus is saying, the people that are inspired by evil, the Pharisees, are so preoccupied with what they're doing that they're scattering people. They're scattering God's people. And Jesus is over here saying, no, I'm gathering God's people. And if you continue to do this over here, you're working against it. So if you're not with me gathering in God's people, then you're opposite me. Then he says about himself that all sorts of blasphemies against, against me, against, even against the Father, they'll be forgiven. But against the Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And whoever speak against the Son of Man, Jesus' title for himself, will be forgiven. But if we speak against the Holy Spirit, will not be forgiven in this age or in the next to come. So Jesus is very serious. And it goes against it goes at the core of their argument that Jesus is filled with an evil spirit. And Jesus is like, I am not filled by an evil spirit I'm filled by the Holy Spirit of God and if we take the first part because the, the gospel is right there you know it's a little bit in a scary place maybe but therefore I tell you every sin and blasphemy this is the gospel everything can be us forgiven the good news of, the, of our sins being forgiven even as we've blasphemed against God and Jesus. Paul was one of these people. He said it himself. I blaspheme God. I blaspheme Jesus. But he was brought in by God's work and changed and lived for God. And maybe that was the same story for some of you. I've rejected God many times. I didn't believe. I didn't believe in Jesus. I've done all these things. Well, we're reminded that we can be forgiven. And so that's the very good news. But what about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What is it that I cannot be forgiven for? Have you ever been asked that question by some people? How many have been asked this people? Only Lee and me. <laughs> Anybody thought about it? Nope, nobody thought about 
Okay, a few people thought about it. I've heard it a, f- a few times in ministry. Like, uh, can I do something so I cannot be forgiven? Well, let us explore this. With this, we will go to some old people. This blasphemy against the spirits that they were deliberately lining up opposing side and putting themselves outside the scope of forgiveness. It's important to read the terrible verse 31 and 32 in their context. In sensitive application of these words, situations which bear to resemblance to the Pharisees' deliberate preparation of the truth has caused distress to many vulnerable people. Jesus was speaking not of temporary lapse of settled jurisdiction, but to oppose the work of God. I think what the smart people are saying is that if you go around telling people this all the time with no context, then you can scare people and they won't understand what this is about. No, in this case, the Pharisees, on purpose, deliberately reject Jesus because of the selfish reasons and say that he has a demon. If you do that to the end of your life, you will not be forgiven. Other people say it cannot happen today. This specific sin cannot be reproduced today for it is requires Jesus' presence on earth with his performing miracles through the Spirit's power. If, however, that's the second part what I was also trying to say, if, however, the leaders acting on behalf of the nation concludes that Jesus was empowered by Satan, they will commit a sin that would never find national injury and forgiveness in this age or the next. The consequences would bro- would bring about God's judgment on the nation or any individual who persisted in that way. So some people say that this can only be done when Jesus is on earth because you can only say to Jesus when he's there, he is there, that he's done a miracle and then say that is a demon. I think that is also true. (laughs) I think both of them are true because the second part of that is also if you persist saying that Jesus is a demon, to the end of time, you will not be forgiven. Oh, old Matthew Henry is an old commentary. We may be sure that those who indeed repent and believe the gospel have not committed this sin. Aha. Uh-huh. Or any other of the same kind. For repentance and faith are, speci- faith are special gifts of God which he would not bestow on any man if he were determined never to pardon him. And those who fear that they have committed sin give a good sign that they have not. The trembling contrite sinner has a witness in himself that this is not the case. In other words, if you've ever thought you did, you didn't do it. So if you have a sensitive heart and a sensitive person, you've not done this. And Kaline is, <laughs> is laughing <laughs> because you wouldn't even be thinking about it. So the Pharisees are not thinking, oh, we are mistaken. No, they, they never think that they did this wrong. So even if we have a conscience that are telling us, oh, maybe I've done something wrong, 
then you have not committed this sin. Rounding all this up. Who is Jesus? I think I'm five more minutes. It's, it's such a good point. <laughs> I'm not going to round up. Okay, this is, it's a very interesting thing, and I don't have any answers to this one. My daughter asks me at night, what does God look like? How does it work with the Trinity? Oh, thank you for asking that. It's not a, it's such a simple question, and we have five minutes before bedtime. But this is part of what, <laughs> this is part of Jesus kind of stepping in, and you see something of the relationship of the Trinity here. So if we say, or I believe that the Trinity is is one our God, three in one, perfect relationship for all time. And somebody is now accusing Jesus of having a demon and that his, well, this is going to be difficult, but that he in himself and the Holy Spirit is now being mocked as being a demon. And so it's kind of like a... <laughs> Kind of like a bigger brother in the schoolyard saying, there's no way you're going to mess with my brother at all. And he steps up and he like, like steps up and protects the Holy Spirit, if you can say that. And so it's kind of a picture of our Trinitarian amazing God that's willing to forgive us of breaking that relationship with God and one another, saying, this is what relationship looks like. This is what worship looks like. I will sacrifice myself with these weird Pharisees and I'm going to step in and say, you are not touching the Holy Spirit and calling him a demon. The all Trinitarian worship, giving worth to one another, we see Jesus step in right into that and say, no, 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 this is not how it is. That was my point. So, Back to, back to wrapping it up. Who is Jesus? Is he who he says he is? Is he who Matthew has said from the beginning that he is the Christ? And if he is, how is it that we live it out? And I'm thankful to God to be back with you. He's doing such a great work in all of you. And you are showing that light. So let's keep doing that. But if you're in doubt here, and you don't know, I don't know, like I grew up going to church, I, I don't really know who Jesus is. Well, I would say, like the people giving testimony, then lean in and with all your heart and soul, ask God to reveal yourself to him, uh, to you. Say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I, I give my life to you. And may the Holy Spirit meet you there and draw you to himself. and for all you who already know this. I just wanted to show you how amazing Jesus is because he is <laughs> standing up for the rest of the Trinity showing that he can dismantle people's argument and he will encourage you as you live. And let's encourage one another with the amazing God we have who's willing to forgive, coming after us, showing us grace and mercy. May the Lord bless you guys and fill you with his newness. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are 
You're amazing. And Lord, you have, you've done so many things in, in my short life and my life with you. You've done so many things and you have brought so much meaning. You've brought so much love and grace towards us and we see that in who you are. A Trinity God who worships one another, who lifts each other up. Lord, I really pray for each of us. Help us to see it so clear every day that we walk in it. Help us to not listen to the voice of the evil one. Bringing doubt, shame, pain. Help us to run to you, as even Stephen said in the beginning. You are good. And you're an amazing God. You're all-knowing all things. And you still come after us. Lord, I pray as we are in that place, you set us here to be lights and salt, to be your ambassadors in this place. With your love and kindness and grace on us, let's live this out with great joy in who we are. Anyone who's not sure about this stuff, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, work in them. Draw them to your soul. All for your praise and your glory. Thank you so much for this time. We could pray and we could worship and come and give praise back to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may also rise for the benediction. Now may the God who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.